support the work of Strike Level Sports by heading to Fanatics.com and purchasing officially licensed gear from the NFL, the NBA, and more. Each purchase made through the text link below goes into the funding of the Strike Seven Sports brand. To proceed, go to the link strikesevensports.com forward slash fanatics. I say again, strikesevensports.com forward slash fanatics. Thank you. Yo, what's up? This is your boy, Derek Branch here at strikesevensports.com. This is another episode of Strike Seven Sports Podcast. Joined by my co-host Brian Bader and Leo the Seabear. This is another episode of Strike Seven Sports Podcast. Tonight we got a special guest with us from the Tiger Sports Report of the Rivals Network. I'd like to introduce Leon Taylor to the show. What's going on, man? Man, what's going on? Pleasure to be here. All right, we're just going to jump right into it tonight. It's going to be a, a pretty much a Memphis basketball basketball talk podcast. Just talk about the latest um, happenings with the program and. I just want to ask you, man, you know, the Tigers, you know, finally got to the tournament with under Penny Hardaway for, I think, I think in his third or fourth season, I believe. Got to the tournament, um, beat uh, Boise State, had a real close game with Gonzaga, but eventually fell. You know, a lot of turnover within the program, guys taking jobs, uh, players going to the NBA draft, transfer portal, what have you. But um, Memphis, uh, Hardaway was able to get some really good talent into the program, starting with uh, Kendry Davis, who was the most coveted player in the transfer portal, followed by uh, Emmanuel uh, Kult, uh Kyle. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to butcher his name up because it's hard for me to pronounce. <laughs> Keota Kennedy. Um, DeAndre Williams is coming back to the, um, to the fold as well. But I just want to ask you, out of all the you know the programs that have you know tried to get into the transfer portal and grab talent, do you think Penny is dominating the portal right now? Based on your observation, I wouldn't say he dominated, but I think he's done pretty well. You know, as far as hitting the transfer portal like he did, like he really uh, stressed in press conferences how he wanted veterans and how he wanted guys to step up, and you can see and his latest recruiting uh, strategy that he wanted to go older because it's, it's something about when you got guys who understand their roles compared to having an 18-year-old, 17-year-old freshman who's going to have their mother and father to practice and want things to go their way compared to a grown man, you know, just putting his hard head going to work. Okay. You got anything to uh, Brian O'Leod? Well, I'll, I'll just add something. Me and Leon, we got we go back. We've been talking ti- uh, Tiger basketball a lot. We've had our differences, but I'm glad Patty made the tournament. Now I don't have to talk about that as much. But uh, yeah, I agree with most of what he said. Actually, all of what he said. Um, it's just gonna. I just want to know your thoughts because you reported that Amani Bates was probably gonna go back, and I, I know some you may some people may have like had a problem with what you said, but. I tell people all the time, like reporting is up. You go based on what you're told, and so I bet you were told that, and that's why you reported that. But do you think, in your opinion, do you think that is a good thing for the program? Because he has, I think he, if he had come back, he would have been better this year. But would he? Do you think he would have been a starter, or would he have been okay coming off the bench? What is your opinion on that? Well, I mean, just like you say, I get a lot of good information that comes my way. And a lot of times, if I say book it, it's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to lie. I dropped the ball on this one. A lot of things can happen at the last minute. And the money-based situation was just very interesting because Amani came to the program and was like, hey, let's try to make this work. You know, it wasn't that Penny reached out. It was that Amani reached out. And they tried to, you know, try to come to a, a compromise, but it just wasn't going to work because Armani wanted to start and you just wasn't going to start in front of guys who was already brought in and made promises like Keontae Kennedy. They pretty much play like the same position. You know, they can play the two and the three and Keontae wasn't coming to Memphis to be a backup. This guy has pro aspirations as well and was thinking about entering the draft. He probably wasn't going to get picked, but, he would at least made a G League team because we're talking about a guy who's 6'6", who can play the two and the three and, you know, pretty good defensive skills. And it's just the way how Keontae plays and the money, 
it would have been best for Amani to come off the bench and do his thing. But it's just when you got a guy who had aspiration of being a top 10 pick, he's not trying to come off the bench. You know, so now you go to Eastern Michigan where you can just be the man. You know, I, I really felt like I'm just like you, Brian, that if he would have came back, he could have improved his stock. And not only that, you know, you want to show NBA scouts that I'm not a quitter. Now you have a question mark on you as you get ready for your journey. And they're, they're going to reach to Penny and ask him, hey, what happened? And the best thing for Amani to do now is just put up numbers. But even if he puts up 23 points a game, it's still going to be a question mark about what happened in Memphis. But I think it actually worked out for both parties because now we have a, a good locker room. Nobody's stressing about who's starting. Everybody wants to come and play now. Everybody knows their role. Do you want to jump in? Um, Leon, something that uh, I noticed that I think in one of your uh, Instagram posts for a while back, you were talking about how this year is unique because the Tigers have no freshman players. If I'm not mistaken, they don't have any new freshmen. Everybody that's coming incoming is from the transfer portal from another school. So, in in um, do you think that a lot of that, um, a lot like you said, the experience in terms of getting important players, like getting players that have, have uh, done this at a high level at a college already? Do you think that was a result of the drama that went down last year? Like, does that have something to do with it, in your opinion? Oh, a lot of the drama went down last year was uh, maturity. You know, maturity goes a long way. And when you got guys like Jalen Duran, who really focused was on basketball, was not, you know, he, he wasn't focused on being a, a, a true student athlete at that time. And then you got a money who was praised to be, you know, the top recruit that he was supposed to be. So guys were caught up in, in like the, the spotlight, you could say. And it, it's, it's been like that if you notice since Penny's first year, you know, people come in, oh, this is a great recruiting class. It's going to be one of the best years. And we don't never really give it a chance to develop because, you know, John Calipari, you watch his system, he brings in a new class every year. And they always start off rocky, but then they get the boat going. And the turmoil this past season was about maturity. Guys, like, you know, Josh Minot, example. You know, you go, he could probably play and start at any other program, but he had to play his role. He had to come off the bench. You know, it's kind of hard to tell a guy, hey, you got to learn your role compared to being the man when everybody's telling you, hey, you're going to be a first-round NBA draft pick. So, you, you know, it, it was a lot of turmoil for us. Guys wanted to be the man, but at the same time, eventually guys kind of understood, hey, in order for us to win, we have to buy into the system. And that's why this year – is very unique because they got a taste of the NCAA tournament and those guys want to go back. And when you bring in guys like uh, Acott from Arizona, you know, he played against Memphis in the NCAA tournament. So he has experience, you know, you bring a guy in like Keontae Kennedy, he's played at UTEP and Xavier. So he's hungry to get into the NCAA tournament. Then you throw in KO with his experience and Kendrick Davis, a point guard who's ready to show people that, he could run a team and, and possibly be a, a top NBA draft pick. All these guys understand their role. And I think the biggest leader on this team is going to be DeAndre Williams. DeAndre Williams, with his experience and leadership, is going to have these guys understanding, hey, in order to play for Penny, you got to play a certain way. You know, uh, Penny and DeAndre bump heads. But at the same time, DeAndre had to recognize and understand that, you know, Penny is the head coach and Penny knows what he's doing. And when you bring a guy in as well as like Frank Haith, he can kind of control the locker room as well because you're talking about a veteran coach who's coached at the highest level in the ACC and the SEC. And, I mean, he's a strategic coach. And many people are so hyped about Larry Brown. I'm hyped about Frank Haith. Frank right. Haith is a, a guy who can coach players who are not top 100 players and get the best out of them. I mean, he showed that by beating Memphis during the regular season last season. So he knows what he's doing. All right, so I just want to ask you this. Um, so it basically went from guys like, you know, one-and-done type of recruits to going to the transfer portal, getting veteran players, players that have got some experience under their belt playing college basketball. 
is this is going to be the model going forward or this is just for covering up for this season i i think to a certain degree he's going to get players like you always want to get that top 10 recruit because that's what you know that's what sells tickets and that's what fans want to see we're accustomed to seeing high level players coming in our program you know from days from tyreek evans derrick rose you know it's, it's something we're accustomed to, to grow fond of i don't see it changing anytime soon because currently you know penny is a guy who stays on the recruiting trail and uh he was on the nike eybl circuit you know looking at some of the top recruits and his son is his stock is growing you talking about a guy who's in a uh 2024 class he stands about six eight six nine and no he's not like his father for his position wise but he has intangibles at six eight six nine that can play the four and you know he has that this stretch that stretch four game and he's going to be a, a top 50 recruit and then i mean that they, they, they're recruiting a kid by the name of aiden holloway who's in the class of 2023 and he's a, a top 10 point guard in the country out of north carolina and i really feel like he is prior to he's prioritized uh aiden holloway because we're going to need a point guard for the future once we uh, lose kendrick okay so what are your thoughts on them on the chances of them trying to land um hansel and manu the uh one arm one arm and uh guard I, I love uh, Hansel, but uh, I don't see him coming in our program for the simple fact that Emmanuel Hansel uh, is a guy that's probably going to get paid, you know, with, right. with his name and recognition right now. You know, it's just to be better for him to go ahead and be that guy on a pro level, you know, to 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 capitalize on what he's, you know, become. You know, he's all over the Internet. And Penny's not going to sign uh, a high school prospect for this recruiting class. You know, he, he's pretty much uh, stressed that. And I feel like if we were going to get a high school recruit, we, we, we probably would have kept Amar Knox, who was committed to the program. So going forward, uh, not this year, but go, uh, going ahead, yeah, we will pick back up on recruiting high-level prospects. Like I said, Emmanuel, he plays the same position as Keontae Kennedy. And it's kind of like a money bait. See, we, you know, everybody wants to be that guy. And, and, and think about Emmanuel, though, Hansel, he's a – good player but when you playing at that d1 level it's a different ball game when you're trying to play a guy with one arm you know you know these guys get smart with the game I'm not saying that he won't you know succeed but when you're yeah. trying to throw a scholarship on a guy like that i just don't see it like that you know maybe if he was six nine six ten but when you're talking about a guy six four six five no sir gotcha yeah i think anything y'all want to add brian Leo? All right, moving right along. All right, so when um I got a tweet that came over by uh John Martin from uh 92.9 FM, and he, he had a, like a projected starting five on this tweet. It had uh at the point he had Kendrick Davis at the two, Keone Keone Kennedy, forward Emmanuel Coop, Paul forward, DeAndre Williams, center, Cal. So do you think that's the that's a, a good projected start five going forward, or that's you have something a little different. No, nah, that's that's this projected. That's projected. That that is like the actual five. That's something that they've been throwing out at practices, and that's that's the that's the puzzle that that was put together. You know, when you those pieces starting off with Ko, you got an athletic rim protector. He doesn't you know want to take twenty shots a game. He wants to play his role in this block shots and rebound. He understands that, and he's gonna catch live passes from his point guard in Kendrick, and then you got DeAndre at the at the four, who's the veteran who stretches the floor at the four, and you know with his versatility is gonna you know do great things. And then not only that, you know when you throw Emmanuel Acott uh, out there, who's, who's gonna play on the wing, you know you're talking about a versatile form, former top twenty recruit. So that, I mean when you throw him and Keontae Kennedy at six six, and then Kendrick. Who's a six one six foot point guard? They got a great starting five. And one thing about them, they're gonna get up and down. You know, they're gonna be the traditional uh Memphis type of team. And it's getting up and down, catching live passes, shooting threes, the type of offense that you know uh Penny Hardaway likes to run. One thing I, I've learned about Penny, he likes athletic big men. So KO is definitely gonna be in our starting five. And I think people are really sleeping on Malcolm Dandridge too. 
once he gets his body in shape, Malcolm's going to be a big factor because we've seen glimpses of him during the NCAA tournament when he played against Gonzaga. He was pretty serviceable. Right. Anything you want to add, Brian Lil? Um, um, two uh, players that you know I've um, been keeping an eye on for that terms of their improvement is uh, I think um, the Lo- the Lawson uh, brothers, Chandler and Jonathan. Uh, with Jonathan redshirting last year, um, what are the expectations in terms of you know not just him, but in terms of the people who aren't starters, the bench players, like you said, Malcolm? Who will be that next five group that you're looking at? Oh. Uh... I can't really say next five, but I can elaborate on the the, the Lawsons. The Lawsons have been working extremely hard. Uh, Chandler is he's finally healthy. You know, people don't really realize and know that he was he was he was injured last year, so he didn't play that much, and it, it took a toll on him because the Lawsons are accustomed to playing and winning. You know, a state championship type uh, type family. And they 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 have great IQ for the game. And Jonathan, he's going to be our backup point guard. You know, Jonathan, he's like six 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 seven, and very versatile. You know, he's a point forward. He was like that in high school, and now he's going to translate that to college basketball. And sitting out that year made him hungry, because you know he came out in the same class as Kennedy Chandler and uh, uh, Cameron Jones, who plays at Marquette. So that 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 class you know, was loaded and he was one of those guys who felt like, you know, he should have been, you know, getting some playing time as well in college. And this year, you know, red shirt freshman, you know, he's going to have a lot to prove. And, and from what I've been seeing and hearing, uh, Chandler Lawson, who's improved on this game as an outside shooter, he's going to be a perimeter threat this year. So those are two guys who are really going to help the program coming off the bench. And then people are, uh, uh, are not familiar with another recruit we got that's in uh they came from the transfer portal came out of georgia southern last name right. johnson yeah no this guy is a is a guy who knows his role and he he's a three and d guy and when i say three and d like he gets he loves defense and can guard the three and the two spot athletic and six four and i think he's gonna be somebody's gonna surprise you know a lot of fans and I mean, this team, I think we can go eight deep. I wouldn't say 10. I think we're a good eight solid deep because, you know, once, once uh, Penny gets this team going, he's not going to really, uh, you know, play 10 guys. He goes like seven or eight deep. That's about it. And uh, the whole thing about Alex Lomax coming back to the team, that's that's not going to happen. Lomax is, Lomax is pursuing a pro career overseas. And it's just unfortunate right now that, you know, he's injured, so he hadn't really had a chance to show uh, pro scouts what he can do. But uh, coming back to the program, it's, it's unlikely. But I've been hearing that they will possibly bring in another point guard to the program. I've been hearing somebody from the HBCU standing. So uh, within a week or two, you will be hearing about another guard coming to the program. Okay. Anything to add, Brian? Good. Yeah, I muted myself. Yeah, that, I was about to ask him because he kind of referred to – he didn't say anything about Alex Lomax, so I was about to ask if he, is he come back or not. But Lomax, I think he took a lot of heat. But overall, I think he was important for this program, and I'll definitely miss him. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, if he was coming back, it would have been great help. But when you have a senior night, you know, he's not trying to come back after that. You know, this it's kind of like – I'm back, y'all. He don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So, what about uh Frank Heat? What kind of what kind of impact you think he's gonna have on this program compared to when Rasheed Wallace was a part of staff? Oh, uh, just like just like I was saying, you know, with his uh, experience alone is is gonna be helpful. And then he's a a coach that has a strategy. Because, like, coaching at Tulsa, this guy wasn't bringing in top 100 recruits. Wasn't bringing in top 50. He was bringing in basketball players and just getting the best out of them. And so now when you bring him to a program that has guys that has pro potential, you're going to have a guy that's going to teach these guys the right way, like a Larry Brown, and just, you know, have somebody to be someone to look up to. Because when you when you describe somebody like Rasheed Wallace, of course he has – you know, the NBA experience, but not really the coaching experience. So 
it's, it's a different mind frame. Somebody that has a little bit more patience. See, the thing about NBA coaches, they have a very short mind frame when it comes with patience. They want everything like right now. They're used to de dealing with grown men. And when it comes to dealing with a student athlete, you got to have patience because these guys are learning. And not everybody has patience like that. And you're talking about a coach, and Coach Frank Hayes, who's been around for so long to where he understands that. And, you know, you're talking about a, a black coach at that that's been through everything, you know, from coaching in Missouri, coaching in Miami. You know, they experience from as a black coach is, is something that goes a long way because people don't understand it's not a lot of black head coaches on the Division One level. So that experience alone is just – you just he's one of those coaches that when he talks you listen gotcha so what do you think in his four years with the program what is what do you, what, what grade would you give penny hardaway at memphis right now oh uh, from a guy who never coached college basketball and came straight from high school i'm gonna say b minus because to the winning part, it, it it comes within time. You know, you it, it's very rare you can just come right in and get into the NCAA tournament. It, I mean, you see how long it took Cal to get Memphis going. It takes a while. You got to get your right formula going. And I think now Penny has an idea of what to do now, you know. And it's just at one point, I mean, Brian even knows it. Uh, the offense, you know, you, you got to got to do more than just defense. And that's why you got certain guys like Frank. Hey, I feel like who's going to be over the offense, and Penny, who's big on defense. So, Penny has uh, learned how to trust his guys, and that's why you know you notice the guys that come in and coach at Memphis, they get promotions. You know, they stay with the program maybe like two, three seasons, then these guys get upgraded, and that's that's a great thing. Speaking value about your program because when you come to the program. Everybody builds onto their resume, not just players. Okay. Anything you want to add, Brian? That was your question. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually thinking about when we thought about this question. I'm ahead of you, Brian. I, I read your mind, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, what what would I give him? And I said, a, a B minus. That's fair. At first, I was gonna go with a C, but since he made the tournament, I'll be generous and give him a B. But uh, Brian. <laughs> It's like you be hard on Penny, but you got to understand, man. It's like you got to give him a chance. This guy learning. But at the same time, you got it going. I told you. I said you got to be patient with this thing because you fire Penny. What's your next What's your next question? What's your next move? You're going to have to get a young coach. Because no veteran is going to come behind Penny Hardaway. Because they, they all look at it like, if Penny can't make it down there, what the heck am I going to do? Because <laughs> the fans, I mean, fans want to win. We have some fans that are unrealistic at times. Every year they think we're going to make it. Every year they think this is the, this is the one. Yeah, they do. They do. I can tell. <laughs> that's definitely yeah. he, he knows better than anybody <laughs> yeah brian is penny's big biggest critic man no, absolutely that's that. because he's from nashville he's that has definitely, i hate when people say that no i'm just a realist i feel like when he set the bar the way he said it eventually you got to get the job done and and when you get the job done now nobody can criticize him about that so well now we'll see what the next step he can do with the program but it was time, and he finally got over the hump. So now I really don't have – you all saw my apology letter. I, I'm done with criticizing him. So I just want to see what he does moving forward. But that's all I have to say. We have a guy in there, Leo? Um, this is kind of this is, this is kind of a penny question. Um, I know you you, you, you I know you dialed in because um, I wrote a story from a newspaper I work with, and it was, you, you were a reference in my uh, story a while back at last year at, uh, at a summer tournament. Um, from the from knowing Penny as well as you do, do you think there's a um there's a chance that he ever makes that jump and becomes an NBA head coach, or is he content at riding it out at you at Memphis for as long as it takes him? Because he knows he's gonna have 
that's not who he is. He's gonna have the support of the of the majority of the, the support that he needs. Or do you ever think that okay, he he's on the way to take that next step eventually? Yeah, I uh, I really do think he will make that next step. I just don't see it being right now. Um, I think it's gonna have to be the right opportunity. You know, somebody's gonna have patience with him because thing about Memphis, I mean, he has everything in front of him, you know. But at the same time, it's just like any any person uh in in their career field, you always wanna see yourself doing bigger and better. And I think for him that's a challenge. But right now he's the type of person that's like it's a chess move. He can't make his next move until he finishes the one he already started. So I see him trying to take care of Memphis first. You know, if he can get us into like the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, you know, I think he feel like, you know, by that time he's done, he's done enough. You know, he's done what he can. Now it's time to take care of him. Of course, the whole goal is to win the whole thing. But at some point, you realize that winning the whole thing is not easy. I mean, you look at Jim Beheim in Syracuse. He'll tell you himself. He's only got one. It's not easy. So if you can build your resume and make yourself one of the hottest coaches in college basketball, which he has done, I definitely can see him coaching at the next level because you got to understand with him being a, a, a guy that played in the NBA and now understanding the younger guys in college, he is becoming somebody that's going to be getting more uh, interviews and, and name being linked to linked to uh, to organizations because, I mean, think about coaching the NBA. These guys are grown men. You just have to give them a game plan and just get out the way. And that's what any coach would love to do. So, yes, no doubt I see him coaching the NBA. Okay. You got anything else, Neil? Um, one more question. I ain't gonna be that cut you off, DB. But um, in terms of um, I know we you talked about the we talked about our district Kendrick Davis, because but a lot of people like I mean you watch SMU. Uh, of course, everybody knows he was their dominant player. But how big of an addition is he to this program in terms of being that veteran leader that you know he's been like like he's been to two different schools. He was at TCU, then went to SMU. How big of a leader, like taking a low spot, like how big of is it that he's coming to this program? Man, uh, it's absolutely big for the simple fact that he's one of the top 25 top incoming, you know, transfers in the country. And he's a guy who has NBA potential. You know, he's not a big guard, but he's a guard who has capability of changing the game. He can score, get people involved, and I feel like he will be a first-round first NBA draft pick. So it, it was very big for us to get him because uh, I just interviewed K.O., and K.O. said, the reason I'm here is because of Kendrick. You know, he wants to play with an elite-level point guard, and so that, that was huge. You know, uh, this, this guy, like I said, he gets people involved. He's a leader, and – I think the thing about him is he's going to embrace this city like a job Morant. People are going to be so happy to have him around because he's just, he's got that personality where, you know, you just feel like you got, got your own in your own backyard. John Morant? Man, yeah, that's a really good thing. <laughs> okay. Now, when I'm I say John Morant, I'm not saying like how he plays. I'm saying like, the 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 yeah that feeling yeah right, right yeah right. because you know when when Ja hits the floor all eyes on him right so that, right. that's what I mean when I mentioned John ja Morant not far as like you know dunking on people nah <laughs> alright you will see I have one quick thing to say go ahead bro yeah it's the ahead. only pushback I'll have is I'm not sure if he's gonna be a first round pick. And I, I, I hope I'll be loved to be proven wrong, but I think at best a second round pick. There's a chance he may not even get drafted. What do you think about that, Leah? Or, or Mr. Taylor? Do you, what do you think about my thoughts on that? You want to get first, Leah? <laughs> Brian. 
Uh, I'm gonna say you're gonna meet me around this time. You're like Leon, round draft pick for the Utah Jazz. <laughs> Kennedy Chandler. You know, Kennedy was like five eleven, and maybe like a buck seventy five. Uh, Kendrick is six feet tall, maybe like one ninety or two hundred. So this guy's size is like, you know, it's good. And then I mean, it's just you talking about a veteran. You know, like I said, this guy was the AAC player of the year. And, you know, it's just his experience and ability to break down defenders. He's going to be a first-round pick. I, and and it's, it's really big for him to have a big season. So if his career goes based on how great Memphis does. So I say stay tuned because I think he's going to have his team rocking and rolling. Okay. Wait, one, I'm sorry. I just thought I want one more question. Do you, the reason why – I don't think he'll be a first-round pick. I look at a guy like Kennedy Chandler, and now maybe you can say teams made a mistake not selecting him. But one thing Kendrick Davis won't have that Kennedy has is upside. Kennedy much younger. Kendrick Davis will be almost 24 when he comes out. So I, when I look, they look they're comparable to me. Maybe Kendrick, when he's at his peak, is better. So that's why I think he's going to probably be a second-round pick if he gets drafted. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that, that's a possibility. And like you said, um, Kennedy should have been a first-round pick, could have been a first-round pick. It's just um, the way how the game goes in the NBA is is just you never know. Like, in my opinion, I feel like Sharif Cooper should have been a first-round pick. And, you know, he got selected by Atlanta Hawks. And to be honest, the guy killed it in the G League. And it's all about being with the right situation. And Kennedy was blessed to get in a situation like the Memphis Grizzlies where he's getting molded. He's not getting, you know, rushed into anything. They're going to develop him. And uh, I think Kendrick, when he gets with the right team, and he'll have the same opportunity. But like you said, the age thing is a big difference because when you're a 24-year-old point guard, yeah, it's, it's very different comparing to a 19-year-old guy. But at the same time, his ceiling is a little different because he's a veteran. You know, you got guys like, um, man, the point guard that played at Baylor, that won a championship, that plays for Sacramento Kings. I can't remember his name. Is it Frank Mitchell? Davion Mitchell. Yeah. Davion. And that's who he kind of reminds me of, that tough point guard. You know, not tall, but he plays bigger than his size. Gotcha. All right. So, let's segue to – I got to ask you this, man. Uh, You know, with all the good news – that's going on with the program as you know, possibly this bad news happening as well. And you already know about the, um, the level one and two violation that came down, like, like, like two weeks after the, the NCAA tournament uh, elimination. And I just want to ask you is punishment coming down. You think punishment is, is coming down this year or something that could possibly happen down the road? Man, you never can tell with the NCAA because you got programs like North Carolina. I mean, they literally had Rashad McCann come out and say, hey, these guys were taking tests from me and ain't nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you never know. You never know. And so, I mean, honestly, the last time I made a projection on a suspension, I was way off. Like, I didn't see them suspending James Wiseman the way they did. So, I'm not going to even uh, try to touch on that, say how many games the Penny had to sit out. Because the way how they do Memphis is almost like they try to make an example. Okay. Good. Yeah, uh, the way I look at it, I hope I'm wrong, but my, my big fear is Can you repeat what you said? You broke up. There you go ahead, man. Where y'all can go? 
Yeah, uh, back on this, unfortunately, my fear, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it'll be a postseason ban. That's just my opinion. I hope I'm wrong. But if not, it'll be either be like a scholarship reduction, Penny may get suspended, something like that. I feel like it's going to be one of those three things. And then hopefully the program can – I mean, I, I hope it just affects a program just like this year. Like after this year, it doesn't affect them. Like even if it's a scholarship reduction, I think that right now they only have 10 scholarships that they've used unless – and they could make it 11 if they want to put Jaden back on scholarship or give it to one of the walk-ons. But like if they just want to affect this year, I'm fine with it, then move forward, then it's done with. But uh, it's time to move forward. This like he was saying, these things can be unpredictable, but – after a while, like, I think it's unfair to the kids that weren't involved to be punished that much longer. So that's the way I view it. I'm getting there, Leo. Um, I agree with Bada. Um, there's, you know, I hope that, there, that, like you said, the restrictions that are, you know, because they that are going to affect the program, um, they affect them for this year because, you know, like you said, players and recruits are looking at that, and I've always wondered, like, like with uh, recruits that are coming in. You know, like what Penny was saying, uh, uh, Mr. Taylor was saying that Penny's looking at veterans, looking at veteran guys. Like, are guys like that are looking, like, to come to this program? Are they looking at okay, we could face a postseason ban? I wonder, what, like, guys like Cal and you know Kendrick Davis and like all those people they're coming in, Brian. I don't know if they were gonna like if they knew that that they were getting a postseason ban, I don't know if they choose to come here. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't – like, I, I can see, like, Kendry Day was a guy, like, that we all know is an NBA-caliber player saying, okay, you know what, I, after not playing an NCAA tournament last year with, with SMU, that, okay, I'm going to go to a school where I know, okay, it's a possibility we can, we the teams that I go to won't be able to play in a tournament. Because if that was the case, he maybe went to another school. That's just my opinion on it. All right, yeah, Mr. Taylor's back with us. He had some technical difficulties. So you would, could you um add finish up what you were saying before you went out? Yeah, um I like I was trying to say, uh I don't I, I don't really try to uh make you know guesses on suspensions. Like I just feel like uh you never know with the NCAA. Like I said, I could at the max though I, I see maybe an eight game suspension. Uh, possibly lose a couple scholarships, and that's about it. But honestly, I don't. I don't think they're gonna really do any damage. I don't see them doing any damage this year. But like I said, if they do, we're prepared for it. And kind of going back to Mr. Lewin, uh, Lund, is saying, uh, those guys with them being veterans and having so much to play for, I don't think they would have came here knowing that the program was gonna be. In, in, in such so much turmoil, but you know, and I think Penny is kind of you know let those guys know, hey, everything's gonna be okay, and uh, an NIL deal will also make everything better too. You know, when you're getting a check, it it, it goes a long way. <laughs> okay, so I mean, I've said this in the past. I've I felt like if you didn't hear nothing by at least June or mid July, I think didn't clear for this year, but you never know. Um, LSU hasn't been handed down any uh, punishment yet. Um, Kansas won a national championship, and uh, Bill Self, you know, we walk around like, like nothing's nothing's about to happen. So, I mean, you need to feel the same way if you 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 fan of the the Memphis Tigers. You know, is you don't worry about it. You know, if punishment comes, it's gonna come. But I don't really see nothing happening that this year, man. I just don't. You know, it's the way it's, it's looking playing out. You know, they're being Real quiet right now to me, the NCAA. Dutch. Absolutely. Yeah, one thing I'll, find, I'll just add, that's why making the tournament was so important last year, just in case this year there's a ban. So then, just think about it. Let's just say, hypothetically, we didn't make it last year. Then there was a ban this year. I think that would just add to the long streak that we had of not making it. So it was so important to make the tournament. He got over that hump. So now... Ideally, we obviously want to be eligible for this year, but if not, it won't be the end of the world. And also, um, like when NBA is looking at your season, 
the tournament's just only a couple of the games. So obviously they would like to see what you do in the big moments, but you'll still have the regular season and hopefully they'll be eligible for the conference. They should be eligible for the conference tournament. So that's the way I look at it. Okay. All right, moving right along. So I know you've heard it. I know you've heard about it already with the uh conference realign conference realignment and uh, things like that as far as the uh yeah, well we got three uh rivals of the program leaving for uh, the Big Twelve in uh Houston. Uh, who else are there? Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF all going to the uh Big Twelve tournament. Not Big 12 tournament, but the Big 12 conference to become a, a qualified program. And they're looking to add more programs with the addition of um addition of Arizona State and um not Arizona State. Yeah, Arizona State. Pretty much it was left with the Pac 12 after uh USC and uh UCLA goes to the Big Ten. I just want to ask y'all. Even with even with all the things that Memphis is trying to do, as far as you know, upgrade the stadium, you know, funding into the program, the football program, do you think it's too late for Memphis to become part of the conference realignment? I think we may have lost Mr. Taylor. We lost him again. Yeah, I yeah. see that. Yeah, I uh, I guess I can take this. I'm sorry, I have some background noise. But, uh, yeah, I hope Memphis is able to join one of the – I saw a tweet today. I, I don't know if I put in the group chat, but the Big 12 commissioner, they have their Big 12 media days. He said he's open to any call from any conference. He's, he's going to be very open-minded. So if I'm Memphis, I at least give them a pitch to try to consider me again. Then if it doesn't work, maybe try to find something else. But um, right now, like this is where I look at it. It can – Obviously, you want to join a big conference, but if you can if you can stay in the conference you're in and dominate it, then I look at that being fine. Like basketball, I think will be all right. Football, ideally, it'll be better for if we join a bigger conference. But if we stay where we are in basketball, I, why can't we be the next Gonzaga? I, I can see that. And some people will say, well, before Gonzaga was then, we were basically the team that like we dominated conference USA. So that's what I look at. I hope it gets resolved sooner rather than later. But as we've seen, like, who would have thought UCLA and USC would have gone to the Big Ten? And anything can happen, and it can happen at any time. So it's going to be interesting to see how all this unfolds. Yeah, Ms. Taylor, I was asking you before you uh, went out, um, do you think it was it's, is, it, is it too late for Memphis to become part of the uh, conference realignment despite everything they've done, try to improve their position with the latest uh, news? You know, man, honestly, this whole conference realignment thing has been in place for over 20 years. You know, it's just a matter of time. I'll never forget. I got a college basketball book by Dick Vitale, and it was just showing the different uh, schools that would make transitions. And they always had Memphis going to the Big 12. You know, I, I didn't see it at one point, but now I do. But at the same time, it's like the Big 12 has lost some of the power that it used to have. You know, when Oklahoma and all these guys going to the SEC, it's, it's not the same anymore. But, you know, you still got Kansas over there in the Big 12. And like like Brian was saying, from a football point, it doesn't really help. But from a basketball point, it does. When you still got Kansas, uh, Oklahoma State, you know, those good schools like that. But at the same time, Football, it, it it can take a take a low blow, so I, I I'm very interested to see how all this plans out because um, we're gonna get our names called to get positioned because I was recently uh, listening to somebody that works on the college basketball scene. They were saying like when you got all these juggernauts forming and some of these juggernauts leaving these programs, these schools are gonna they're getting left behind. They got to build this build their conference back up i feel like the acc is going to get hit you know it's going to be some schools leaving the acc going to the sec the sec is going to be the new power conference of all conferences when it's all said and done dead in the big 10 
Jay so yeah, so I need to ask you this as well. Um, there's been some people in our industry that strongly believe that I don't know if you know if you read the, the column yet that believes that this stuff could spread over to the college basketball realm where it could just they could just have the super conferences into the tournament to the March Madness and just eliminate so many uh mid-major schools like Memphis you know um guns I mean maybe even Gonzaga but we don't know yet but do you think it will spread over to college basketball as well it's just going to be just a, um, a football matter I think just football because basketball has shown us that you know you could be Jackson State and upset Duke you know it, it happens in college basketball that's why March Madness is so you know, dramatic and, and entertaining because everybody wants to see the Cinderella. You know, basketball, you know, it's just totally different from football. Honestly, I, I feel like if they was to change the playoff format in football, where if it could be more teams to play, you'll see the smaller schools beating the bigger schools. They just don't get an opportunity like basketball. You know, it's, it's rare that you can get 65 teams and you know all these teams are good you know that's the beauty of it when you got a school like uh man what was that just like in girls basketball jackson state those girls made history you know they beat some good teams and going forward they're building a, a great tradition in the swag right now the swag is is becoming a great conference you know Deion sanders is really opened the door for a lot of swag programs and i think you know and then basketball wise it's going to get better you know, Mo Williams, Mo Williams over at Jackson State. You know, you got Matt Locke over at Alabama State. You know, the swag is going to be going to be jumping. So I feel like smaller schools are, are going to find a way to show that, hey, we belong. Uh, Leo, you got anything to add? Uh, okay. All right. Man, last question right here, man. Which is the overall ceiling for Memphis this season as a program? You're, you're stealing for the program. Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm going to say two and out. Two, two and, and out. out right now. Yeah, as of right now, two and out. I, I like the team, but it's just when when it comes to chemistry, it goes a long way. And, you know, it, we, we, we haven't seen them play yet. And, you know, to me, I like to, to judge a team when you see at least eight games. They got to go through adversity. You know, and they got a great non-conference schedule was just released, and they playing in some good SEC schools, so it's going to be interesting. Brian, you got anything to add? Yeah, so when you say two and out, you think they're going to win two tournament games, right? Uh, Win one, lose one. Ah, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I, I probably agree. I, I don't see this team surpassing what that last year's team did, but – the one thing I will say is if you, you have, like, there won't be somebody out of position in terms of somebody won't be playing point guard that isn't a point guard. So I think that can help the earlier games. You get a good rhythm. And then, again, yeah, we have to see them through adversity. But, yeah, I, I think they could uh, definitely win a game. I think they could maybe win two games. We'll depend, it all depends on matchups, and we won't know that until the tournament time. But I, I like the roster he built. And I can't wait to see. I can't wait for the season to start. Wait, hold on. I have one more question. I just – hold on. Let me – Leo, go, and then maybe I'll remember. I just had it now. I forgot it. Um, what would you say if any on the, on the roster – like, I know you said they only go eight deep, and that's what Penny, you know, that's what he's going to do. We saw – but we saw last year when he was running – he was running two – he was running different um, – Rotation out there. He had two five player rotations. They was running out there frequently early in the season. You know, we saw that decrease during the latter part of the season. What position would you say is a, the pilot? Maybe the, the 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 position on the team on the court that you say you have more most questions about. Um. Really, uh, I would probably say I really don't have a uh, a worry or question. At positions right now, but the thing about it is, if, if Kendrick, you know, God forbid, was to say have an ankle or a knee injury, I would be worried about who would take over point guard guiding the team because I love Jonathan Lawson, but with him being a 
a guy who's a redshirt freshman, starting point guard. That's a lot, but I, uh, at the same time, I feel like he would step up to the challenge because he's a winner, you know, and he's gotten better. But that that just it would be a question mark because I just don't know exactly what he would do. But I, I what I'm hoping and what I know is that he could he could be somewhat okay. But just far as guiding us to an NCAA tournament, that's a that's a big deal, and it's gonna be tough. But like far as like backup point guard, because for me, uh, I'll never forget the team when he assembled with James Wiseman and Lester Keones and Precious and everybody was like, oh man, we got so much talent. We almost got too many players. And one thing I learned from that team was you can never have too many players because injuries happen. You know, at one point, man, we lost Lester. We lost Boogie. Like we was down to having Precious at center. And that was something that he didn't want to do, but it made him better. All right. All right, but before you go, man, I'm going to ask you just one last question. Between Lester Keonis, Preston Achua, Josh Minder, uh, Jalen Duran, all those players I just listed, which one do you believe is going to be like a – could be like a, 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 like a number one piece to a team, an NBA franchise? Oh, that's easy. That's Jalen Duran all day. And you know, Durant. he's hitting Detroit because – He's going to start, you know, all those other guys, they kind of working their way in, you know, Lester, you know, hopefully he can make that team, but I just don't know about Golden State. I feel like he'll work, he'll find a way on the NBA roster, but I don't see him sticking with Golden State, but Precious, he's in a good situation, but man, they're so loaded at four and five in Toronto. It's going to be kind of tough for him. And Josh, Josh has intangibles that can, get him into the lineup in, in Minnesota. You know, when you look at the Minnesota Timberwolves roster, he has a chance. But Jaden Duran is, he's a different type of player. I mean, that guy, man, I've been watching Jaden Duran since, since he was in 11th grade. And when I say this guy has been a grown man his whole career, he's been a grown man. And he's been prepared for this moment. So I just feel like he's just going to be an NBA All-Star one day. So you think his upsize is bigger than uh James Wiseman? Absolutely. Absolutely. James, man, I love James. But I mean, he's 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 going through that motion where he has to be healthy. You know, it's not it's never been about his talent. The talent has always been there. It's about being healthy. And Jalen, you know, younger body, never really had any injuries, no, no knee problems really. I mean, his ceiling is just a little bit better. And it just that's just been you know, the luck for, you know, two different players, you know. And I feel like James still has a chance because people forget, you know, Joel Embiid, it took him a while before he got it all together. And I tell people all the time before they try to just throw James away, like, you know, sometimes big men, it takes the time, you know, because they got to get their body right. You know, being seven feet tall, they, they have bad knees, bad backs. It's just something that happens. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Leo. Yeah. I got to disagree. Like, I... Let, let, let him go for it, man. Let him go, man. Uh, okay, let, nah, let him go for it because then my point my point is completely different. Let him go ahead, go ahead, retort it. Yeah, uh, I, got, I got two things. First, I completely disagree with you about James Watson versus Jalen Duran. James Watson, on, on, he could have a bad day and still be better than Jalen Duran. That's just my opinion. Got to stick with my national guy there. But he ha- he can also he, he can also he be more on offense. He can also do James Watson play. Say what? We've barely seen the kid play. Yeah, but yeah, but no, but when we have went through be honest, be honest, who has a higher upside? It, it's James Wiseman. You guys know it. Until I see and that's James Durant, I, he showed he showed me more Nashville stuff. He's from Nashville. See how but, you just stood up to that? He's like, no, James is better. Ain't no one. Uh, <laughs> so. Jalen Duran showed me he has a pull up a jumper. I really he showed me a lot during the season. So I, I think he can do more than people give him credit for. And then one other question I had, how much do you think Memphis, I think this is going to, could end up being a difference maker. I could be wrong, but you can make case. Memphis made the tournament last year because of Tyler Harris. That if out of all the decisions Penny made, that was the one that was a big head scratcher. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think that could end up being, because like even the point you're talking about a backup point guard, Tyler Harris would have been perfect for that. Well, I'm going to say this. 
Uh, love Tyler. Great player. Uh, sometimes it's not always uh, just about basketball. You know, it has to be right fit on and off the court. You know, and there's a lot of things that, you know, when it comes to a locker room and a team, you know, fans and media, sometimes we don't know everything that goes on. You know, we, we you see the points per game and everything. You're like, hey, why is he gone? Sometimes it's more to a story. And, you know, for Tyler, honestly, man, this guy would do anything for the, for the city of Memphis. I mean, he came back as a walk-on. And, you know, like you said, like, it, it, it hurt to see him go. But at the same time, I think it was best for both parties because, you know, it's just some things that Tyler couldn't do on a, on a defensive point was hurting. But from an offensive point, he was great. You know, and if you know Penny, he likes big guards, loves big guards. And it's just something that, you know, Tyler had to fight with. And I hated for him because I feel like, in all honesty, during the time we had Boogie, you know, he outperformed Boogie and had less minutes, you know, and the guy was still trying. And just, it just sometimes, you know, uh, it's like a relationship. You know, you have love for that person, but sometimes it's just not, it's just not the best, best move for both parties. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing. I just can't wait for that South Florida Memphis game. That would definitely be interesting. Which one is Florida. that? South Florida Memphis game. Memphis should win, but I know Tyler Harris, he's got – that kid has a chip on his shoulder, and I know he's going to have something to prove when he comes. He's going to score 21 points, mark my word. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> Go ahead, Leo. Um, another, well, two things, and I just thought about that. Number one, um, we lost um, – another player that we lost that, um, that we didn't discuss earlier was the loss of Landers Nolly. Um, and another and, – and so, like, how – is that a big loss, in your opinion, him going to Cincinnati? And second of all, um, Imani Bates, a lot of people are talking about his draft stock um, going down and I uh, personally think that I think he can still be a top 10 pick in the 2023 draft. Am I, uh, is that outlandish? Um, but you start wherever you want to start. Which, whichever topic you want to go with. Um, I'm going to start with Landers. Landers, Landers uh, can be replaced. Keontae Kennedy is, is a big replacement for him. Uh, Emmanuel Acott is a big is a, is a great replacement for him because uh the thing about Landers, if you know now Landers Nolly, it wasn't just Landers. You had to deal with Landers Nolly's family. You know, you, people talk about a money based father. I mean, she, Landers Nolly father <laughs> wasn't no easy kept, uh, guy either. You know, and you think about it, this guy left Virginia Tech where he was the man. So it just you can't you can't please everybody. Because, I mean, Landis was a starter. He had the ball in his hands. What more could you ask for? You know, but at the same time, uh, you got to go where it, it's a better fit. But at the same time, his, his 12, 13 points per game can be replaced. And that's where I feel like Emmanuel Acott and Keontae Kennedy, they replaced it, you know. Um, I feel like this is the thing. Emmanuel Acott replaces um, Landis. And Keontae replaces Lesser Keonis. It's, it's 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 like a uh subtraction by addition. You know, that's part of college basketball. You're gonna lose good players every year. So you have to be prepared to replace these guys. And I think we got some great replacements. And um your uh, next question was um was it outlandish to say a money base be a top ten pick? Absolutely. Uh, I feel like Amani is a great score, but his intangibles, what else does he do? to be a top 10 pick, to be in the top 10, man, you got to be a star. I mean, if you look at these guys that got picked into the top 10, like Keegan Murray for the Sacramento Kings, that's a small forward that's going to be great in the NBA. I mean, this guy came in first game, 20 points a game. Then you look at his body, you know, his strength. And that's one of the, to me, what was the biggest weakness for Amani was his strength, you know, trying to get his shot off. You know, and that's something that he's going to have to work on. Now, in order for him to be a top 10 pick, he's going to have to come in college basketball uh, being like uh, the number two, number one leading scorer in the country in college basketball. Like, he's got to show what he was always good at, and that's being a scorer. 
but I just don't see him doing it like that, you know, because, uh, I mean, Amani, he was a great high school kid. College is different. You know, I feel like he's gonna. I feel like he's gonna average eighteen points a game. I feel like he's gonna be uh, a first round pick, top ten. I don't see it. It's a lot of good players coming out. A lot of good players coming out. I mean, you got these guys coming from Montverde, IMG Academy. You got about six of them going into the top ten. Um, well, to add to your point, um, you know how you were talking about how he's gonna have to press at a high level for him to be a top ten pick. Um, somebody who people. I know you as a high school recruiter that was familiar with the guy Patrick Baldwin. I kept up with him during um, his season at Green Bay. It didn't do really well. I was not really impressed, and yet he still was a first-round pick. And from your from your analysis, like, and I know this kind of off topic from the Memphis, but um, from your high, like, from what what does he bring to Golden State? Because I really just didn't see the first-round talent that you know, of course, is Golden State. They see things we don't. But from a, from your evaluations of him, you know. From the college at the high school level, what what's intriguing about him? Uh, versatility. You know, he uh he reminds me so much of uh, a guy that I, I saw for Montverde by the name of Caleb Houston. Caleb Houston played in Montverde six eight. You know, both of these guys can play the two and the three at six seven six eight, and you know, it's just uh Patrick was young. You know, people think that okay, if you go to a smaller school, you can be the man. It's not always like that. You got guys that play at these smaller schools are just as good or better, you know. But at the same time, Patrick has potential because, like I said, he has versatility. You know, good size. They can play on the wing. And when you're talking about guys with Golden State, that's what they love. They thrive on guys who like to shoot the ball at a high level and can create off the dribble. Like, everybody – I mean, you look at James Wiseman. Wiseman is shooting threes now. And like, everybody on that team – from top to bottom, his perimeter game. So he fits that team. That's why, like, Lester, he's in a, he's in a good program. It's just that all those guys are, are all good, so it's tough. So I don't – I think uh, Patrick is going to have a good career. It's just about getting in the right situation. All right. Yeah. Good. I one, one quick thing to add. Yeah, I was like, when we were talking back, I think, a while back, we were talking about Imani Bates and where he could go. And I was thinking, yeah, it would be nice if he's a top 10 pick. But if he – the later you get in the draft, you're going to be going to a better team, better situation. The only thing will hurt will be the money up front. But what you, the best thing that can happen to a player like him is to go to the right situation. And if he ends up – if he, let's say, for example, went to – I'm not sure how he'd fit their system, but if he went to Golden State, that would be a good, that'd be a good culture to be part of. I think the Spurs would be good culture. Memphis would be a really good culture. Imagine him with Ja and what they're building. That would be really, really nice to see. So it's all about the right situation, and he, he'll have to develop. And I think the one thing he'll, he'll have to do is – I know his dad is big in his basketball life. He'll have to get out of his shadow. I think that's – his situation kind of reminds me of Lonzo and LaMelo Ball. From the standpoint, their dad was involved in their life a lot. And then now I think they've become their own men, and now I think that's helped their basketball career. Well, I don't I'm think a, he's as, one final thing. I'm sorry. I don't think he's as good as Lonzo and Lamelo, but I think that he has a lot of talent, and if he just gets in the right situation, he can do some special things. I'm, I'm gonna say this to your point. Uh, Amani, Bates' father, and Lonzo Ball' father, they two totally different guys. I mean, think about Lonzo Ball. He never was in the way. He was just always supportive of his child. You know. And that's what people get kind of, you know, mistaken that they feel like with him hyping up his kid was the wrong thing. But being a parent, that's what you're supposed to do. If anybody's going to hate, the whole world is going to hate your kid's game. You got to be that one person, love it. And that's what his role as a father was. You know, he was just adamant about his boys. And, you know, I honestly feel like uh, the middle boy uh, that was at UCLA, if that stuff didn't go down, could have got into the NBA too, man. It's just unfortunate. And he was never wrong because all his boys are hooping. You know? And then think about it, like Amani, Amani has been coached by his only his father. You know, totally different situation. You know, Lonzo was never like that. You know, his son played at Chino Hills, one of the best programs in California. So, 
he's never said, hey, I got to coach my boys. I got to do this. I got to do that. No, totally different situation. Like, a money base father would literally be up under the basketball goal at a University of Memphis game. Mm, you know, man. he would be upset the fact that his son wasn't in the start lineup. And, like, that was, like, something that Penny's never dealt with before. Even as a coach at East High School, you know, having, like, great high school players, he never dealt with a, a dad that stressful. That was something that, you know, pretty much let him know, like, okay, going forward, I got to be careful recruiting these high-level recruits. Because uh-huh. not only are you recruiting the kid, you're recruiting the parent as well. Right, that's true. All right, all minds cleared. Um, it was a pleasure to have have you on with us tonight. Uh, let the folks know where they can find you on on social media on Twitter. Yes, sir. You can find me on Twitter at Leon Taylor nineteen eighty three, and uh, I don't. You can't send me a friend request, but you can follow me, uh, Leon King Taylor on Facebook and Leon Devon Taylor on Instagram. All right, that's all we have for y'all for right now. Give us a like, comment, subscribe to the channel, listen to this through YouTube. You listen to this through uh, iTunes or Spotify. Give us a five star rating. Leave your comments. Let you know, let us know how you feel with the topics we talked about. Also, check out strike7sports.com for latest content on NFL, the NBA, Memphis Tigers, much more. Have a blessed night. Peace. We out. Thank you. All right, bro. All right.